Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History bottle. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. Happy Thanksgiving to all, as you can find me on gambling Twitter at UndercoverGreg, joined by our co-host, producer, Jack of all trades, Twitter account manager, Alex Uplinger at full underscore slate underscore pod is where he manages the podcast Twitter at Alex underscore up seven on his personal account. And it is Thanksgiving. We uh, managed to squeeze it in. The week gets a little quirky. That's why we did our college pod earlier in the week with Bill Christie. So happy to get that behind us and uh we are recording during the lions and bears game but uh it is the lions and bears so I- i'm sure uh you're subjecting yourself to watching it maybe not uh listening to gambling advice on it uh so uh, we're fortunate enough to uh, not have to worry about that one given the way things worked out this week with the schedule but we'll get to every other game on the nfl week 12 card Alex, it's good to have you back, and I know you're out in the Pacific Northwest. Happy Thanksgiving to you. I am, dude. Happy Thanksgiving. I am looking out the window right now at some just insane mountains, like something I've never seen on the East Coast. Watching the Lions win 7 nothing right now, holding the first half under ticket, so I feel pretty good. This This feels like a game where... You know, you like hide from your family in the basement. You just don't want to be with your family, so you watch the Lions Bears. This is more uh, torture than actually enjoyable. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's <laughs> so far been everything that it was built up to be. And yeah, I mean, if this was a uh, one o'clock Eastern time Sunday game, I probably wouldn't watch a snap. So uh, no, I don't I don't know if Bears fans would even watch. I, I guess maybe you're watching the. Nagy I mean, I, I, I was going to say, game. if you're a Bears fan, you probably want to lose so the coach gets fired. Right. And if you're a Lions fan, I guess you want your one moment in the sun. But I was going to say you want the number one pick at this point. So, yeah. yeah. Is it even worth getting a win like to feel good? Like, does anyone but, in America want either one of these teams to actually win this game? <laughs> no. No, I would take a, you know, 10-10 tie and the first half goes under and the whole game goes under and you get the lines plus three. That would be just an ideal world for me. <laughs> so boring. Well, there you go. Uh, let's uh, move. Well, hey, before we go and in, get into the rest of the games, I ask everybody this. Any uh, Thanksgiving food takes that you want to uh, expound upon here on our podcast? Uh, yeah. Open mic. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, like, listen, uh, I think people I try think and do it take. a little bit. Like, I think it's like every year there's always that, like, growing contingent of people on Twitter that like like to talk down on Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving food and oh if it was so good why don't we eat it more often like I think there's there's <laughs> value makes it good and special right exactly once a year it, it once a year like th- there's value in preservation and if we had it every year we I would argue that this particular meal like we'd lose the unique element of it you know what I mean I completely agree. I mean, I could eat I could eat mashed potatoes, you know, weekly, but I think it's not a hot take to say that turkey kind of fucking stinks, but it's it's delicious with White gravy, meat or dark like meat. anything. So either just not not great. Gravy? Absolutely. Yeah. I think absolutely. uh what what's the top side? Mashed potatoes would be for me and then probably Dude, followed by stuffing. I, I was gonna say I'm a big stuffing guy, but Yeah, I, like, stuffing is good. I'm on a little bit of an island here. I love cranberry sauce. Okay. That is is definitely a uh, less popular take. I think it's good, but I would not not say love. I think it's very serviceable with all the other sides combined, but I'm not rushing to to grab that cranberry and, like, eat it solo. You got to toss it on something. Maybe some cranberry and stuffing. I would say that's, that's pretty elite. So... Yeah, I, I, I think cranberry sauce, turkey, and stuffing are kind of the main three. I, I, I will say, too, I need some good dinner rolls. Like, I think that's, like, very simple. Like, oh, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Just a roll, but, like, it Especially really brings. warm with the it, butter. Yeah. Exactly. It, like, it brings the whole meal does. together. It's like. <laughs> it does. You know, like, you know, I grew up in the Philly area, and so I've had my fair share of cheesesteaks, and I can tell you, like, the. The the role that you get the steak on is really important, too. I just think collectively, whether it be a sandwich or like a, a big like three course meal or something like the, the rolls just kind of bring it all together in a way that uh, you 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 don't appreciate, I think, until you have the meal enough to know how important the just <laughs> bread and butter is. <laughs> I completely agree. It, it is very, very simplistic but it definitely does tie everything together it really makes it a full meal with that that warm roll and butter I completely exactly. agree. It's, it's just like it's the perfect thing to go to on the plate when you need like a break from everything else yeah it's like a it's a palate cleanser and i will say thanksgiving just 
beers all day. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> I was gonna say, wake it up on the West Coast. It feels it feels weird. Nine a.m. Yeah, it feels weird. But nine a.m. is my my noon, so it's like it's like I'm in the afternoon. I'll just yeah. I'll just probably be in bed by like nine p.m. I so told myself I, that I was gonna try and run off some of the beers last night, but I don't know if that's happened. That <laughs> now that I'm like. I'm settled in on the couch. Like I gotta work later today. Like I, I don't know that we're gonna get much done yeah, outside of I, work. But. I, I don't, I don't think a run is in the cards when there's football on the TV. Yeah, and there is a TV. Kind of sacrilege. At the gym uh, here where I live, uh, but no, there yeah. You go. Well, that would be a good excuse. It would be, yeah. Maybe I'll. We'll see how the next 90 minutes go. But nonetheless, <laughs> let's get into it and let's start in the Big D with the Dallas Cowboys welcoming in the Las Vegas Raiders, and we're seeing Dallas laying obviously a pretty steep number, north of the touchdown at seven and a half. Total in this game of 50 and a half. I got in at 51, and you know we're both on the under here, and I I just think it's kind of simple that. C.D. Lamb is now not going to be able to play. He could not clear the concussion protocol in time. So I think it's pretty straightforward in the sense that if you're Dallas, you kind of look to a run-heavy attack. You have, obviously, two very good backs in Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. And we've seen the Dallas defense all year continue to hold its own and then some. So, you know, last week even against Kansas City, it was a – you know, uh, a Dallas defense that certainly gave it a chance and the offense just couldn't get going for the Cowboys. So, uh, you know, I, I think that it, it, and Dallas has been in a little bit of a rut offensively. I know they did have that blowout win against Atlanta, but they kind of sleepwalked through the game against Denver and got crushed. So, uh, you know, these totals north of 50 with the Cowboys right now, I don't know that they're completely warranted, especially without those two stud receivers in Cooper and Lamb. Put it all together and, you know, you think think about the Raiders. They, they obviously don't have a ton of weapons that can really hit you with a big play. The Raiders kind of want to manufacture offense and grind it out and, and win in the trenches enough to be able to run the football with enough efficiency where their drives are a little more time consuming. So it just feels like an under game. I like that more than any side and I know you agree. Yeah, I completely agree. This feels like a very run-heavy game. I love love both running backs here, and I do like Dallas's defense. They actually surprisingly kept them in the game. Just Kansas City defense, of course, fucking showed up for once the week I bet the Cowboys against them. They looked unstoppable. And, you know, Dallas's defense held their own. They really kept them in the game. But like you said, the offense just couldn't do shit. But, yeah, I like uh, – really like the, the Raiders' pass rush here. I think they'll apply enough pressure. No C.D. Lamb, no Cooper. It's going to be a run-heavy Zeke attack for sure with, you know, some some play action like Dalton Schultz or some shit. So 15-and-a-half is what I got. And that just still feels way too high, especially, you know, midday Thanksgiving. These guys are just trying to get home to their families. I don't know if that's an actual angle, but – that's what I would be thinking for sure. I'm just trying to get home to some Thanksgiving dinner. So these guys are just trying to get in and get out. This feels like a, you know, a Dallas win. I don't necessarily know if they're going to cover, but it feels like a close Dallas win, maybe, you know, 40 points total or 30, like 
2017 Dallas. Agreement on the under in the game in Jerry World. Let's go to the primetime game this evening where the Buffalo Bills travel to the Superdome to take on the New Orleans Saints. And we're seeing Buffalo laying six, six and a half. There's numbers kind of bouncing around at a lot of books. So definitely shop around. Uh, The spots I'm looking at are more favorable towards New Orleans, but uh, Alex mentioned uh, that there are some four and a halves out there if you like Buffalo. So definitely worth taking a look. But I like New Orleans and I like the under in this game. I got the under as the total is at 45. I got uh, there's 44 and a half. So it looks like that number on the move a bit as well. I just don't really trust Buffalo right now at this price range. I mean, if you're a touchdown road favorite against anyone, that is essentially saying you are one of the best teams in the NFL. And that is a premium that I cannot pay with Buffalo at this point because the Bills have really been in cruise control for the better part of the last five or six weeks. They lose at Jacksonville. They get their asses kicked by Indianapolis last week. Even against Miami at home, they're just kind of lollygagging their way through that one, and it was pretty unimpressive. I I begin to wonder if – I mean, this is the thing with the NFL in particular. It's hard. It's why New England, time and time again, in this AFC East, you can say it was such a bad division, but their reign atop the AFC East and atop the NFL, for that matter, like it's just so – unparalleled because the minute you taste some success it's very difficult to follow it up and repeat I mean there's that stat about the NFC East with no repeat champion for the I think it's like 20 years now so I I think that's what Buffalo is experiencing right now where you're not just going to be able to roll the same team out there that got to an AFC championship and expect the same thing to happen all over again. You're going to be faced with some adversity. We saw it with Kansas City last, you know, earlier this year. It looks like the Chiefs are kind of coming out of it on the other side and going to be able to win the AFC West, I would expect. Don't feel the same way about Buffalo right now. I think there are some big problems uh, that continue to manifest to the point where New England – I think at this point, if you had to make me pick it, I would say New England wins the division because I don't have much faith in the Bills with where they're at offensively. It's just not the same explosive, high-powered attack that we saw last year. Defense is pretty good, uh, and that's why I do like the game under the total because we know that New Orleans is a team that is prides itself on its defense keeping it in games, and that defense got punched in the gut by the Eagles and that ground attack from Philly last week. So I would expect New Orleans to really respond with a good defensive effort. Uh, and and I think that also makes the points pretty valuable here. I think that correlates a little bit in a game that I expect two good defenses to play pretty well in. And I also think from New Orleans, it's a buy-low opportunity. It was back on Halloween, they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home. So we're going to get into it a little bit later. Tampa Bay has not been very good on the road. Having said that, though, Uh, New Orleans in a little bit of a rut, but let's not forget, as I said, after that win against Tampa Bay, the Saints were five and two and very much in the thick of things in the NFC South. Still in playoff contention. I think a bounce back spot here for New Orleans. Not sure if they win. I could certainly see it. I'll take the six points and the game under the total. Yeah, not to mention that Tampa Bay game they won at home. They did that with, you know, Simeon coming in. Right, because that was the game, the game with an injury. So that that's kind of tough to 
to bring a quarterback in mid-game with an injury. So, yeah, I'm I'm in complete agreement. I like the under. I like the Saints with the points. But it really just depends what number you can get. Like, I, there's no way I'm, I'm laying six or seven with the Bills. But I'm also not taking the Saints plus four and a half. So it really depends. I'm seeing both these numbers available in different spots. I'm seeing the Bills minus four and a half on some places and I'm seeing also sevens out there. So it really depends what number you can get. I would be comfortable taking the Saints at around five and a half and up. I think a home dog, love a home Thanksgiving dog. Like we're seeing with Detroit, we really, we liked that spot off the pod, but I think the under is a good play. No Kamara makes me a little nervous, but yeah, no, I, I, I think, uh, Simeon can can do enough to keep this close. We just haven't seen the Bills look great. This is a team that still only put up six points against the fucking Jacksonville Jaguars a couple weeks ago. Like something is off with with Allen right now and the offense in general. They have the weapons, but it's just not putting together. But the defense is still, you know, keeping them in games. Like we saw that, you know, six they only gave up nine points, but they they still lost the game. If you tell me the Bills give up nine points, they should never, never lose a football right. game. <laughs> I mean, that's just, it's unbelievable. That's what so, I'm saying about the offense. Like, it's just. Yeah, it's just not clicking right and now. And we've seen enough to where you can't just expect them to come out of it. Like, right. I'm this isn't to a see small a, sample a, a size 35 point outing from the Buffalo offense before yeah. I actually think and, it's going to happen. And I, I need to see it not against the Jets. Like, I throw any Jets game. Well, I should right. not go into, into your handicap. Yeah, yeah, that's you know that that shouldn't even be factored in. A, a huge win against the Jets doesn't doesn't mean much against most other teams. So yeah, I like the Saints at home with the points, home underdog, and then oh, yeah, I love the under. I like I like these Thanksgiving unders for sure. Let's move on to Sunday where we have. Quite an interesting line in Gillette Stadium where the New England Patriots are laying six and a half with a total of 43 and a half against the Tennessee Titans. And Alex, if there's ever a buy low, sell high type game, here it is where Tennessee just played. I mean, I didn't watch Mike Variable's press conference. I don't know if he commented on it, but that may have been the worst game that Tennessee played in the Mike Variable era. Last week, just an embarrassing showing. I think it was five turnovers against the Houston Texans, and they lose out at home. At, at home, home against right. the fucking Texans. Like, but I'm pretty positive we were we were on this pod the other week gushing a gushing about the the spot the Tex- plus plus ten. That was just way too many points. Like, are we sure the Titans are that good? But also, are we sure the Patriots are that good? This well, and this that's is- the thing. I, as I said, I, I think if you made me pick the AFC East, I would say right now that New England wins. But I think two things can be true, that New England could win the division and, and not cover the six and a half points against the Tennessee team that's still one of the best in the AFC. I mean, I know the game is in Foxborough, and the Patriots have extra time to prepare, having played on Thursday against Atlanta last week. But, gosh, I mean— it's just getting so expensive, so expensive with New England. I mean, we were saying the same thing last week. We lost on Atlanta, but it was the only side we felt you could play in that game. 
And now it's the same point spread, albeit New England is at home, but it's basically the same point spread against Tennessee. And it's it's really hard to justify New England actually being this better, like, you know, for the power ratings guys that, you know, I can't imagine that they would make this game set six and a half, seven for, for New England. It just seems way too high. And you talked about maybe Tennessee being a little little bit of a trap in some ways because, gosh, you see any team with Tennessee's record catching this many points, and it is going to feel pretty easy. I, I'm just going to stay away. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Tennessee's the only side. I really don't think the Patriots are that good. I think they're definitely trending up, and they look great, especially on defense and then See Mac Jones actually actually looking pretty solid, but man, five and a half might this might tick up to six. I think I think the Patriots are definitely a really public side right now. Everyone sees how well they're doing, you know, Bill Belichick. The defense is actually looking really strong, but weren't we thinking that Tennessee was like the best team in football two weeks ago? This is such That's an overreaction just from losing to the Texans, which is understandable. I can see how people would be so turned off by the Titans right but, now. But, you know, remember that ad like no one team is as good or as exactly. bad as they In look. In the NFL, the you really have to just go week to week. You have to, you have to just look at individual matchups. You can't really rely on, you know, last week's performance as much in other sports. Like the NFL is so week to week. No team is, yeah, as bad as their last week or as good as their last week. The Titans are still a solid team. Granted, they don't have their best player, and their defense is completely overperforming. So I would not fault anyone for overreacting to that Texans loss, but this is just way too many points. Titans are the only play. I'm probably not going to get there. I really, I'm kind of, <laughs> kind of anti-Titans. I really don't believe in them. I do like. Mike Grable a lot, but I'm not rushing to back this team at all. So I would I would pass as well. Let's keep things moving in the rotation and go with another AFC East, AFC South matchup. Not quite the same fanfare behind this one, though, as it's the New York Jets rotation number 253 traveling to Houston to take on the Texans rotation number 254. It's the Houston Texans. They're favored laying two and a half. A total of 44 and a half. And yeah, that, that, that this is it for me where like it, on the Tennessee angle, if we think it's a little too trappy or and, and you don't want to play them, even though we're saying we obviously no one team is as good or as bad as any one game. Well, Houston, to me, like watching that game last week, it just felt like, OK, well, they're going to be a fade next week. Like this is clearly, you know, Tennessee's just playing so bad where. I don't even know. I mean, I'll give Tyrod Taylor some credit. You know, he scored a gutty rushing touchdown there, jumped into the end zone. But there wasn't much from that where I thought, oh, the Texans, they've really found something now. You know, it's just the spot. The spot was good. Divisional dog. Titans laid an egg. I, I look now and think, well, the Jets uh, are, are with Zach Wilson coming back. Say what you want about Zach Wilson. I think it's still an upgrade over the slop they were throwing out there with Flacco and Mike White. Uh, I think he comes back with his best game as a pro. It feels like the spot where he would be able to uh, kind of 
look like an NFL quarterback, I'll say. Uh, and, you know, you, last week the stats were basically identical against Miami for the Jets. 388 to 380 Miami, uh, slight edge in the total yards. Turnovers were one apiece. Most of the stats, as I said, were dead even, and the Jets lost a tight game. Now I think they're getting a quarterback upgrade. I'm going to be on the Jets here. I, I hate betting the Jets two weeks in a row, but I'm going to do it. I'm just not so sure this is that much of an upgrade. Zach Wilson looks fucking atrocious. I know he has the most interceptions in the NFL when throwing 20 yards or more. I mean, we saw that one game against the Patriots. He had like four or five. I just don't know if this is a huge upgrade. It might be slight upgrade, but Texans at home, I, I would take Taylor over Zach Wilson any day, but then you have, that fucking Texans coach that really neutralizes. I mean, he is, God, is he a clown? At, he's. I feel bad. He's probably the nicest dude. I'm sure he's a great guy. Oh, yeah. Just a probably having a great Thanksgiving meal somewhere. Oh, absolutely. He's probably the life of the party. Nice guy, but he is not a head coach. He could be an assistant <laughs> coach, offensive mind, whatever. The guy has been put in an impossible situation, so he's doing his best. I I just I cannot bet Zach Wilson anymore, so I would have to look through the Texans, but I'm also I'm not gonna play it. So let's go from one team that occupies MetLife Stadium to the other, where the New York Giants, rotation number two five six, our home dog against the Philadelphia Eagles. Giants catching three at MetLife, total of forty five and a half. It's the big revenge game for the Giants because they're all mad about the Eagles losing on purpose last year against the Washington football team and the Giants couldn't win the division at six and ten. Now, <laughs> you you love a revenge spot. I love that. You think I mean listen like about that? that was, there was a lot of sarcasm entire... in, in my tone of voice well, right there. They they were they were fucking pissed the night of the game. Oh, it, was it was obvious the Eagles like... the Eagles threw it. They were gonna win that game. They threw I'll... it for sure. Oh, and then, yeah, Joe Judge comes out the next day after the Eagles, like, they yeah. get their press for Eagles. You will never see me do that <laughs> as a coach of the New York Giants. Well, you know what, Joe Judge? Yeah. You, you lose enough games by accident. So you'll right. need to lose I was going to say, he, he might not be around much longer to even have that situation. So uh, I think he won't, he won't be will probably that. go first, but he has yeah, to. It, it's a mess with the Giants. I mean, the, it's just absolutely. They've been the losingest team in the NFL the last five years, and it, I don't see an end in sight for them. I like I. There's some young teams where, or some teams with young players where you can clearly say, like, okay, at least we got X, Y, and Z. You know, player A looks good. Player B looks good. Right, like, like the like the Eagles, for example. At least like we feel like they found a franchise quarterback. They might not have a coach. They have some weapons. I think Smith is solid. Right. And they feels like they're the trending with like in the correct Landon Dickerson's way. a rookie interior offensive lineman. That's really starting to play well. Like there's, yeah, there's like, some things that's starting Giants, to come together. The Giants. Yeah. The Giants doesn't feel like Giants feels like nothing is actually going well. Right. So whether it be their skill positions or quarterback position, their coaching position, nothing feels like, it's trending the correct way. Like that team feels like they're going to be in the bottom tier of the NFL for the next five to 10 years. And they've been in the bottom tier of the NFL for, for the, the last, last, for the last five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So 
everything would point to Philadelphia as being the side here. I'm just slightly hesitant with how the Eagles cope with some more expectations. Darius Slay in concussion protocol. Now, granted, it's not as if there's a, a star wide receiver. I mean, Kenny Galladay, I guess they probably went together, went, faced each other in practice a ton uh, in Detroit. But, <laughs> no, I, I saw that tweet earlier this week that Andrew Thomas now has more touchdown receptions on the season than Galladay and their first round pick, Tony, combined. So one to zero. Unbelievable. Which is so, so right. Basis. So the Eagles might, if Darius Slay misses the game, like they might not really miss him here. I, I just, I, I, anytime you have a team like the Eagles are right now, where the, for a while and rightfully so, because Nick Sirianni was so bad at the beginning of the season, the Eagles were kind of an afterthought, you know, and now it feels like as they were winning more games against Detroit and then against, uh, uh, who they beat uh, Denver and, and last week against North like kind of flying under the radar a little bit. And then you look up, Oh, Eagles are five and six. They're in this wild card race. All of a sudden, anytime you have a team like that, they just kind of sneaks up on people the way I feel like the Eagles have. And then that team is a favorite on the road. Like I, I just get a little, I get cold feet because it's just like, well, how do you deal with the expectations target on your back a little more? It is still a division game. I, I don't think I'm going to bet this game, uh, but I, I definitely wouldn't blame anyone for taking the Eagles. Yeah, I, I feel uh, feel pretty lame here, to be honest. I just completely shit on the Giants, and then now I'm thinking that's that's probably the only side you play. It's just so obvious. Like, the Eagles are absolutely surging. But like you said, this added weight of – the expectation like they're now in the playoff hunt the Giants are absolutely right. and, dead and, but and, and I can tell you as an Eagles fan the whole talk this week is well now it's almost expected that they at least get to like the end of the season like every game is meaningful <laughs> and like because the schedule yeah. is two Giants games it's two Washington games yeah, it's the, the Eagles down Jets. the stretch have one of the easier schedules in the NFL right so just everybody's like just like all of a sudden aboard the playoff bandwagon I, and wasn't this the same you know, local sports talk that was like questioning it. Oh, we were firing everybody. Back. Yeah, yeah. You know? Wasn't Jalen Hurts supposed to be benched like a month right. or two right. ago? Like, it's unbelievable. How and quick that's that my thing. point about the like team that like flies under the radar as they win, and then all of a sudden they're in the playoff mix. Now they're a road favorite. Like it just it sketches right. me out. Completely. If this was a non-divisional game, I would probably have to look to the Eagles. But divisional home dog, I I just can't. Yeah, I can't do it. I I would say back the the Giants at three and a half, but I personally don't think I'll be playing it. Yeah, I I would stay away, but uh, it, it certainly is a, a a little bit of a fishy game when you think about uh you know Giants short week. You know, there's there's not much lining up for the Giants yet. It's only three, and and the Eagles have been playing well. Yeah, I, I'm gonna stay far away from this game. Let's go to Indianapolis where. One of the more intriguing games in the early window features the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to Lucas Oil Stadium, if it's still called that, I think it is, um, to take on the Colts. Tampa laying three on the road, total 53 and a half. And uh, we both like this. And, and I, you gotta, I would grab the three and bet Indianapolis because clearly you have a Colts team that appears to be surging. And, you know, hey, if the, if the, uh, Number is right. 
and uh, Tennessee is to lose to New England, then, you know, this division could still get very interesting, despite the fact that Tennessee has the season sweep already in the bag against Indianapolis. So at three, I love Indy here. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have just been a bad bet on the road. They couldn't cover against that Eagles team that, you know, in the October was fire everybody mode. And they, you know, they couldn't cover again. They lost outright, excuse me, to the Washington football team on the road. Not that long ago. It's a Tampa team that kind of, as we talked about a little bit with Buffalo, like was in cruise control. I think a little less so in the sense that there was still, I think, some optimism about like, more optimism about Tampa than, than Buffalo, but still like you just had the Bucks kind of lollygag a little bit on the road. I mentioned that New Orleans loss on the road. So here they are laying three. It just feels like the Indianapolis side is the clear side here as a home dog. Indy coming off that big, impressive win against Buffalo. And you have to think they're coming into this game with a lot of confidence I think, uh, you know, are, are, are the Bucks really back because they blow out the Giants on Monday Night Football? Short week, traveling. Yeah, give me the Colts in the three. Yeah, no, we lo- we love the Colts in this spot. Like you were saying, the, the Bucks kind of sleepwalk on the road. They just kind of get in, get out. They don't necessarily lose, although they did lose to New Orleans and they lost to Washington, like you mentioned. But, you know, in New England, they won by two in that Tom Brady revenge spot or whatever. They beat the beat the Eagles by six on the road. No cover there in New England either. Nope. Nope. Two-point win. I think they were about six-point favorites. So, no cover. They just kind of sleepwalking. This also feels like such a sleepy spot. 1 p.m. in Indianapolis. Comfortable conditions in the dome. Tom Brady's going to be a little... Well tired here, I would say. I think three is a great number. This is the only play. You love the Colts on both sides, especially on the line. They really protect it well. Best running back in the NFL, like we were saying last week, for that Colts-Bills handicap. I just love the Colts in the trenches. Jonathan Taylor, could, MVP, he's sneaking into the conversation. I mean, he's actually snuck up the boards. I saw yesterday he's now plus 2,000. And my guy Kirk Cousins is still getting no love. He's like plus four thousand, despite being one of the better quarterbacks in the entire league right now. That's a it's a different conversation. But yeah, we love we love Jonathan Taylor in this spot. Although the Bucs do have a great rush defense, but you know the Colts are gonna still run the ball. They're gonna do it often and hopefully successful. You love their defensive line. Make Tom Brady beat them. Which, you know, he certainly could. He's the best quarterback in NFL history. So (laughs) you can get burned. You can get burned by that. But, yeah, we just love the consistency of the Colts. I I think the the Bucs are way more up and down. They'll dominate one week and then, you know, lose to Washington on the road. So I like I like the Colts here at three as a home home dog. So some agreement on the Indianapolis side as we move forward with a couple of games that are nowhere near as interesting. Atlanta and Jacksonville, Carolina and Miami. I'm going to lump them both together only because it's a pair of NFC South teams traveling to the state of Florida. And honestly, neither one of these games intrigues me all that much. Atlanta 
is a very small road favorite of about a point, point and a half, I believe. Going to be rooting for them because I need my over seven and a half wins. But uh, and if they don't win this game, that's not going to look too good. But, uh, you know, total of 46 there in Jacksonville. Then Carolina, Miami. Miami's starting to play better. But, you know, are they actually getting better? Because two of those wins are the Texans and the Jets. And it was kind of a weird Thursday night win. Give them credit for that victory against the Baltimore Ravens. But I don't know. It's the Miami Dolphins. They're one of the more boring teams in the NFL right now. Uh, And Carolina, obviously, the mystique of Cam Newton continues to loom over what he might develop into if he can get them to the playoffs. But we were both on Washington last week. So uh, certainly early in his uh, second go around with Carolina feels like Cam would need at least one game and probably another one to just kind of get up to speed. So I, I don't know, Alex. I lumped these two together just because neither one of them is all that interesting to me, and I won't bet either one of them. <laughs> I was going to say, I I have absolutely nothing. I really don't have any interest. These lines are both way too similar. Yeah, I really don't want to bet or watch either of these games. I hope they don't come up on my red zone too often, right? I hope I don't have to watch. I don't really have any fantasy implications in either of these games, so I won't even be checking in on that. And on that note, we'll move on and go to Southwest Ohio, where the Cincinnati Bengals welcome in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cincinnati, a four-point home favorite, total of 45. And I love the home chalk here. I'm going to lay the four with the Bengals The Steelers coming off that big emotional game against the Chargers. It was a back and forth affair. I wonder what's left in the tank after Pittsburgh kind of, it feels like emptied it last week in SoFi and they lose too. So it kind of feels like, I know it's a division game. They did lose to Cincinnati earlier this year, but that felt like the kind of beginning of the end for Pittsburgh in 2021 that loss last week against the Chargers. So I, I wonder how they get back up and recover. And then Cincinnati, on the other hand, the, it's just the opposite. Like they're all, the Bengals are kind of trending towards this game, having not really needed to expend a ton of energy last week because they kicked the crap out of the Raiders. It wasn't a competitive game. And and this is it for Cincinnati. Like this is an opportunity for the Bengals to really make a statement to the NFL and tell everyone that the changing of the guard is officially underway in the AFC North. Uh, Whether or not the Bengals win the division or not is a different story uh, because you still have to worry about the Baltimore Ravens, but they've already won at Baltimore. They won at Pittsburgh, like a sweep of Pittsburgh. It would be the first time since 2009 that Cincinnati did that. And it'll be the uh, first time before 2009. The last time was 1998. So a big opportunity for the Cincinnati Bengals franchise here. I think they make a statement, cover this number, probably win by about a touchdown. Bengals, minus the points for me at home against the Steelers. Yeah, I think that's the only side, unfortunately, as a Steelers fan. I couldn't have been a worse situation last week. I bet the fucking Chargers minus five, and I'm a Steelers fan, and of course it falls. You know, Steelers lose the game, but they also... God, that's Chargers don't cover. Yeah, it's just, it just sucks. But, yeah, I think the Bengals is the right play here. I saw Minka Fitzpatrick was activated, but we did see that Watt was limited. 
And who knows what you're getting with Ben. That offense can be either, you know, a 14-point score or a 34-point score. There's, like, there's no in-between. They either are fucking awful or they put up a ton of points, like, against the Chargers, which was pretty shocking, to be honest. I did not expect that. Yeah, I think the Bengals are a great side here, especially at home. This is one of those rah-rah Mike Tomlin spots, but I I think it might be kind of out of juice for lack of better terms after that, yeah, like you said, that emotional loss last week. They gave it literally everything they had, and they still lost the game. So it's got to be really disheartening. The defense is just getting absolutely torched. I think this is a great place for Burrow. The secondary is really not that good. It hasn't been good for years. It's always the defensive backs. Joe Hayden might not go. It'd be a huge loss. There's really not much after him and Minka. So, yeah, it's got to be Bengals here. Let's head out west to Mile High, where the Denver Broncos are a short home dog against the Los Angeles Chargers. Two and a half, some threes out there as well. Um, and the total in this game is sitting at 48, excuse me, uh, but you have to play Teddy Two Gloves in his typical underdog spot. I mean, you this is have to. We everything fucking we love talk, Teddy here. Right? We love Teddy. This is our entire brand, our entire podcast brand is home dog Teddy. Or or the to. big road dog, like the game against Dallas a couple weeks ago. Right, like, like when it's 10. If you're getting like double digits, right. hell yeah. But, exactly. I but mean, this you're is a home, spot we love. You have Denver in, I think, a must-win spot for the Broncos in terms of any real playoff hopes in the AFC West. It's a you know jumbled-up division the, that the Broncos and Raiders are tied for the seller in at 5-5, five and five, but a win against the Chargers – Gets you to six and five and lowers the Chargers to six and five, and you'd have the head-to-head tiebreaker. So it certainly would keep the Broncos in the race. Vic Fangio, a coach that obviously entered the season kind of needing to prove his worth a little bit more. This is a game that could go a long way for him, just in terms of you know, I don't know that he's going to get fired at the end of the season, but uh, you win enough games like this, and you certainly ensure that you're going to stick around. So I think the Broncos come back off the bye week. You know, they had two weeks to stew on a pretty bad game against the Eagles. I think they bounce back and, and it's a little bit of a sell on the, uh, a little bit of a sell on the chargers, excuse me, coming off of that big win against the Steelers and, and the emotional high that they experienced, you know, how I know it's a division game, but uh, you know, Justin Herbert going a mile high. There was a, crazy Drew Locke mile high game against Herbert. I think it was either last year or the year before. I think it was the last play of the game against the Chargers that uh, Locke hit uh, KJ Hamler for a touchdown on. So yeah, I, I, I'm I'm all in on Denver here. Uh, this is maybe my favorite side. The Denver or Indy, probably my favorite sides of the week. Uh, just on the fact that again, Broncos, I think in a must win spot, uh, you know, if they fall to five and six, it's going to be a much steeper hill to climb to get into the playoffs. So I love the Broncos here, and I know you agree. 
Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's good or bad that we're in such agreement. Those are actually my two favorite sides as well. I I love both home dogs here. I you just it's a it's a play you just have to make. It doesn't matter like if you know how the NFL works, it's so week to week. And then we have the Broncos off a of bye. The Chargers are coming off just a massive emotional win, like high octane. You're putting up 40 points. So they're running back and forth down the field. I don't know how much that actually matters a week later, but you just love Teddy as a home underdog. I like the defense a lot more at home. I think Vic Fangio is more comfortable at home. I know we maybe not we, but I definitely shit on Vic as a coach on this podcast for sure. But I just think at home, it's a way more comfortable spot. The altitude is definitely a thing. I've heard multiple players comment on how that really is a thing going into the altitude. And then you have this really high octane offense. So yeah, you got to love the the Broncos in this spot to kind of stifle the chargers and just do enough to keep it close. And I think Teddy can do enough on offense to potentially win this game outright. I, I think Broncos money line would be a good look if you're into doing, you know, Brown Robbins or parlays. I, I think you throw the Broncos in here. They have a very good chance of winning this game. Divisional home dogs. You, you got to love that. Let's go to the Bay Area where we have uh, an interesting game for NFC wildcard positioning as the Minnesota Vikings travel to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. We're seeing San Francisco as a three-point home favorite. Total in this game is sitting in the upper 40s. It looks like 49 mostly. And I I like the San Francisco side here. I, I think that it's a it's a Niners team that, like, I, I faded them last week, thought it could be a little bit of a flat spot going to Jacksonville. But uh, the the way they rolled through the Jags, I, like, I, I don't want to say that they're back and they're the Super Bowl Niners again or the team that went to the Super Bowl off of beating the Jags. But remember the week prior, they kicked the crap out of the Rams. So I think that uh, it's really – Kyle Shanahan trying to shut everybody up after there was obviously a lot of skepticism about him in the middle part of the season. Now, as we hit the stretch run and November becomes December, I think, uh, I, I think the 49ers are going to find their way into the playoffs and uh, all is going to uh, be well on the Kyle Shanahan front at least. And so I, I like them here though, based on the fact that if you remember the year that San Francisco did go to the Super Bowl, their first win in the postseason was against Minnesota and it was just a total bloodbath from Minnesota in the trenches. And I know that DeForest Buckner is not with the 49ers anymore, but San Francisco just ate the Minnesota offensive line alive. Jesus, dude, did you see those videos? That's pretty concerning. The videos of what? Of, uh, was it Everson Griffin? Oh, yeah. The Vikings? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was what, Jesus in his home, like by himself, with, like, with, like with a loaded gun, like saying how I don't know how he purchased this gun with Dalvin Cook. It, it was absolutely bizarre. But I, I saw they had like mental health professionals go over there. Just something to know. That was very weird. I would be I'd be kind of shocked if he if he played. I can't imagine he's going to play. That yeah. So it seemed you know, like be- something serious going on. 
So see how Minnesota kind of copes without Everson Griffin. They got a lot of veterans right. on that defense. Patrick Peterson, I think, is coming back. Yeah. yeah, I think we like them more as a as a home dog like we saw last week. Against right. Oh, Zimmer in like that, that short home yeah. dog role is a great look. It's um, incredible. I think that speaks a lot to their uh, to their fans and just their environment. That that goes a long way. Like, oh, yeah. No, it's Vikings an underrated are, home flat. field there yeah. in Minneapolis. But yeah. here, going on the road, as I said, I think the San Francisco yeah, D-line still gets the best of the Minnesota whole line. And listen, let's give Kirk Cousins a lot of credit. He's been great. Um, but when you can we start the can we start the Kirk Cousins MVP talk here? I, I know you start that. Can we be the? Uh, <laughs> I'm holding the ticket. It's like something insane, like fifty for five thousand. But wins the MVP. I just think t- that they're not good enough. They're not you get the pass rush on him. He he's not going to improvise. Improvise, you know, and that's you know he's just going to get eaten alive, and that's what happened. No, absolutely. In, in the playoff game with these two teams, so. Yeah. I like the 49ers laying the short number on at home. I think they're on the way back. Minnesota has been a weird team to trust where it's just been crazy, ridiculous game after crazy, ridiculous game. You know, last week against Green Bay and they win that one. They lose on a missed field goal in Arizona and they, you know, um, win on a walk off field goal against Detroit and they go to overtime and win on a walk off touchdown against Carolina. Like just. They're in. It seems like every week with the Vikings is a circus and a soap opera. But uh, I like the 49ers here. You agree? Yeah, I'm not gonna play it, but that would definitely be the only side. I I feel like the the Vikings on the road is just such a, a stale spot. I, I I like Zimmer, but I I really like him as a home dog. I don't I don't really trust him on the road. But there is that. That Kyle Shanahan as a favorite has been just perennially bad for whatever reason. But I think maybe the home field might eliminate that a bit. So I, I like your uh, I like your angle. I think the the Niners defense could definitely, you know, just eat Cousins alive. He's he's not great in these sort of situations. Granted, I'm gonna be the one. You got you got to start the MVP talk. I wish they were a better fucking team. 21 touchdowns and two interceptions is just remarkable. He's I, I've seen like several memes like Kirk Cousins, you know, having like one of the one of the better seasons, but he's so vanilla that it doesn't fucking matter. No one talks about Kirk Cousins. No one cares about him. It's just <laughs> you're right. It just doesn't matter. Like if he like, was like a we more said before we jumped on, he can play great. And no one's right. going to give him any credit. And when Nothing. he fucks up, everybody shits on him. Oh, my God. Because it usually comes in prime time when he fucks up. So everyone's watching and everyone right. just shits on him on Twitter. But, yeah, I'm in agreement. I think the Niners are the only side here. I would not I would not bet the Vikings at this price. No way. This feels way Let's too Let's go low. with another NFC West, NFC North battle. This time the NFC North team isn't home. It's the Green Bay Packers. Welcoming in the LA Rams, and I am going to back the NFC West team again as the Rams are a short one-point road favorite, total of 47. I like the Rams here. I think this is revenge city for the LA Rams with the playoff loss last last year at Lambeau. Matt Stafford obviously comfortable playing at Lambeau all those years in Detroit. 
uh, you know, Rams coming off of a bye. We love a good coach like Sean McVay with extra time to prepare, particularly an offensive mind like him. You would expect him to throw in a few more wrinkles into the Rams offense. A Rams offense has kind of been awkwardly sputtering lately. They laid an egg against San Francisco primetime Monday night. That's the last time we saw them. Uh, yeah, I, I think the Rams, the bear wakes up here for the Rams and uh, they look like that team that, uh, you know, early on in the year looked like uh, the favorite to get out of the NFC. And obviously Arizona then went to SoFi and had an impressive win. Uh, I, I guess all of this is to say, I, I think the NFC West race is going down to the wire with LA and Arizona. And I think in, that's in part because I think the Rams bounce back here, you know, Packers, Lost last week to Minnesota, Seattle, that was their game before that. Seattle just kind of stinks. So, like, I'm not saying the Packers are bad, uh, but I, th- I this is just kind of uh, going to sound a-, a little too simple. But I just think the Rams are a flat-out better team, and I will take the better team off the bye with, I believe, to be the better coach, McVay over LaFleur, with playoff revenge from last year. Yeah, I, I like the Rams. I completely agree. Better coach, better quarterback, better defense. Yeah, it's the Rams for sure. I, I think they're having some growing pains. You know, the the hype is really picked up. They were like Super Bowl contenders, and now they've, They've sputtered a bit, like you said, but you love McVay coming off a bye here. I think this is a perfect spot on the road as a dog. Yeah, I think they win this game outright. You like the Rams' offense, and Packers' defense has really been overachieving. This is still a Packers' defense that we don't quite trust with their injuries and kind of a lack of performance. We don't love them but they've they've definitely been way way better the past couple weeks granted one of those games was against a a Seahawks team that we don't trust at all like Russell Wilson has looked fucking atrocious we we don't trust him coming off that injury it feels like he came back a little too soon I really don't trust Russ I, I wouldn't take much on that performance so we definitely like the Rams offense to bounce back here and yeah I think they win this game Let's go to the primetime games as we wrap things up here on Full Slate. Let's go to the Charm City, where it's the Baltimore Ravens, a three-and-a-half-point home favorite against the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland, rotation number 271, traveling to Baltimore, total of 47. Probably going to be pretty public, but I do think Baltimore would be the only side you can play here. Cleveland, this just feels like it's going to be a lost season for the Browns, and they're going to have to make a decision on Baker Mayfield pretty soon, they're just not very good. I mean, they survived by the skin of their teeth against Detroit last week. I mean, it's a Brown team. I got them under 10 and a half wins, and I'm feeling real good about it. So, I, I, yeah, this oh, is – you could, you could cash that one right this fucking second. should be counting your money on that one. Oh, wow. You're that. Okay. All right. Well, this season's uh, lost, man. They're going to keep running out an injured Baker Mayfield. Right. While like, while Keenum is objectively better when he's healthy, and they just keep running out Baker to just look abysmal. And he's a perfectly serviceable quarterback. I do like Baker. Seems like a cool dude, but 
He, d- he didn't practice on Wednesday. Left shoulder, foot, and groin. He's got three fucking injuries, and they're gonna still they're gonna still run him out there on Sunday. And yeah, we love Baltimore here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think too. This is a big uh, kind of get right spot for the Baltimore offense because the last time we saw Lamar Jackson on the field, they were uh, you know I don't know what it was against Miami, but it didn't look, didn't look like football. Um, and then last week. Uh, they didn't have Lamar and they ended up winning in a crazy walk-off fashion against Chicago. Uh, but they only scored 16 points. So I think this is also an opportunity for Lamar Jackson. I think Hollywood Brown is going to play in this game too. And uh, I don't believe he played last week. I'm looking. No, he did not. So no, he was out last week. He yeah. So I, I think that this is kind of a get right opportunity for the offense for Baltimore. And, you know, they got the Steelers next week. You know, this time of year is like the Ravens are just one of those teams where and then then they put the Packers. So this is a big excuse me, the Browns again and then the Packers. So that's their next four games, two Browns, Steelers next week and the Packers. And then after that, the Bengals again. It's a weird, weird scheduling. This is a big wow. And then after the Bengals, they play the the Rams and then the Steelers again. So the last uh, what? One, two, three, four, five. Six, divisional games. Seven games for the Ravens are Browns, Steelers at Browns, Packers at Bengals, Rams, Steelers. Like that's a pretty tough schedule. Uh, and you know what though? Like this is the time of year. This is what I wanted to get to with the Ravens, where it's just like you just trust them to get it done. Like John Harbaugh's been there so long, they always find their way to the playoffs usually. And it's usually a team that is sound defensively and like they're just in every game because they're assignment sharp and they're not beating themselves. So whereas Cleveland, I mean, Baker's hurt, you know, it's just you can't say you you just can't speak as confidently about the Browns. It's that simple. Uh, And so I, I think Baltimore wins this game. And I honestly I could see this being ugly. Yeah, I think this is going to get ugly. You know they're going to run Baker Mayfield out there despite having three <laughs> individual injuries. Like Keenum is definitely a better quarterback when 100%. We saw that earlier in the season when he actually won that game. He looks good. This is a pretty serviceable backup. And then you have Baker Mayfield just hobbled out there, getting getting crushed like every other play. And it's because it – I mean, they have several offensive linemen that have been injured and, you know, playing sparingly. You got their starting center. He was limited in practice on Wednesday. I, yeah, I really like the the Ravens in this spot. I think they're going to win comfortably. This could definitely get ugly. You could see easily a double-digit win. I think the Ravens get right. and That's the only side. It, especially at three and a half, this feels a little low. I I can see this more being like a five, five and a half type of game. and They're going to win by 10 points or more. Guarantee it. Let's wrap up on Monday night football, where we have the Washington football team hosting the Seattle Seahawks. And the game is at Pickham, total 46 and a half. And I just think this line's wrong. We're going to agree on Washington here being the side. And I don't see how... Washington shouldn't be favored here. Seattle's a mess. 
it looks like kind of feels like Russell Wilson is just trying to play his way out of Seattle altogether. And Washington, on the other hand, like I talked to, we were on him last week and I talked about how it feels like the Washington defense was starting to find itself a little bit better late than never. They played well and didn't get the, the offense couldn't finish drives against green Bay. They held Denver at bay and they just weren't able to score in that game. They obviously shut down Tampa Bay and won that game. You know, and then last week against Carolina, uh, you know, Carolina only kept held to 21 points. Panthers under 300 total yards. Like The Washington defense is starting to look like the Washington defense again. So I think that I don't see why that changes here. Uh, they're going to get Curtis Samuel back, it looks like, for whatever good that does for the offense. And I think – Washington now sneaking itself into that seven seed third wild card area in the NFC. I, I like him here. I, I think uh, Ron Rivera we mentioned it with Harbaugh, where it's just like some of these coaches, like you just trust to have their teams buttoned up late in season and to play well. And like it feels like Pete Carroll is starting to lose the Seahawks a little bit. Whereas I think Ron Rivera. Uh, there's a lot of confidence still in that Washington locker room that they can make something out of this season. Still love the football team at pick. Yeah. Once again, I completely agree. This line, like you said, it felt way off home, Washington. Like, like the, is it just we saw Russell Wilson still garners market respect? I think so. I think, I mean, normally you, you look at, Seattle and you just you just objectively trust them for absolutely no reason. Going back to your point about Cousins, Kirk Cousins was playing quarterback for Seattle in this game. Washington's a three point favorite. <laughs> Easily in prime time, <laughs> he might be a five point favorite. Yeah, just knowing true. Kirk and Kirk in prime time, but then you could also you know think like Kirk Cousins revenge angle. But yeah, no, Ross yeah, just gets right. market respect for sure. I mean, he's a fucking perennial MVP candidate year in year out but this is way different i feel like they kind of rushed him back but that i mean that's his own doing he he rushed himself back but he just looks he looks fucking terrible i was watching that game i bet the seahawks when the uh kyler murray news came out so obviously you think which has actually burned me twice fucking colt mccoy two times getting the closing line value and then colt mccoy just comes out and they they just destroy the other team. Russ just looks off. I mean, he had surgery in his throwing hand. There's word that he was like rehabbing like 12 hours a day <laughs> for like the last month. How is this guy even thinking about football? The dude is just rehabbing his his right throwing hand. Pins in the hand. He looks terrible. They're going to spit this narrative like, oh, he's never lost four games in a row. Like last week it was he had never lost three games in a row. And then, of course, he loses. They get demolished. So now it's the new narrative. Like there's no way he could lose this game. Washington, it's at home in prime time. Yeah, I love it. I love Washington in this spot. I actually might go to the game, so I'll be there uh, sweating it live in person. There he is, Alex Uplinger, at Alex underscore up seven. Manages the podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. Let's enjoy the rest of our Thanksgiving, Alex. Thanks for hopping on and uh, getting Absolutely, up in time dude. out there on the Pacific Northwest. Enjoy the rest of your time <laughs> out there. Safe travels yeah, back east.
Yeah. Have a great Thanksgiving. Have a good day at work. I'll uh, definitely talk to you later. <laughs> there he is. Alex Uplinger. I'm Greg Frank at Undercover Greg. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Happy Thanksgiving to all. And, of course, please play responsibly.